All right, look at who joined us, man. I tell you, I got, I got two of my favorite people in here. I've got the famous Jessica Baker of uh, Baker's Genetics, Baker's Extract. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I've also got uh, John Piccarelli here of Cutting Edge Nutrients. How are you doing, John? I'm doing very well. Well, uh, I've gathered both of you guys here today because I want to show you something. Okay. Yeah, I've got some weed over here. I see the weed. Yeah, yeah I've got some weed over here. This is all grown with uh, Cutting Edge Nutrients. These are uh, Baker's Genetics. What does that mean, Baker's Genetics? I guess it means a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> For this purpose, this just means that, uh, you know, cannabis that we have grown and are we've chosen the phenotypes from these seeds and decided which ones we want to keep. So Jessica runs a clone nursery and a dispensary and a extraction facility in Oklahoma City. Why don't you pick out some uh, weed and tell us about it over there, Jess? Okay, so this big jar is um, lemon G13 crossed with do-si-do. This is an archive seed that we have uh, planted out and kind of chosen the ones that we like the best. Mm, hey, Pat, why don't you pass the smaller jar over here? Here's some Oklahoma greenhouse, John. What do you think? You've been all over the world. Seen some of the finest wood in the world. Ooh. I just, I picked out what I thought was going to be a decent sized bud. It's gigantic. Gigantic. Mmm. Mm. Terpenes. Terpy. Love this stuff. Lemon G13, Dosey Doe from Archive Seeds. That's part of his Moonbow collection, I believe. Mm. Definitely has the lemon and crystal. Yeah. Yeah. So what is this being passed off as indoor? Or of don't you say that on the radio. <laughs> don't say that on the radio. No, we no. have some indoor lit G13 and some greenhouse. We yeah, have we, both. We do, you, know, you know, we get to do it all. Indoor, outdoor, light up, greenhouse. <laughs> Right, uh, but you know, you can tell you can tell you the can totally tell you the can difference. tell the difference. You know the uh, and you know how you tell is the out the greenhouse nuggets are huge, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> and mold resistant. The G thirteen was really the this was a really, really good strain for us here. Mm-hmm. Did really well. Hey, uh, could you pass over the? I'm um, rolling this one up as we pass can, cookies and cream. Um, that's the ball jar. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is the ball jar. This is a really good one, too. So this was um, cookies and cream, exotic genetic seeds. We planted a bunch of seeds, and then we chose a couple phenotypes. Um, right now, there is we're in debate on which of the two top phenos we actually like the most. So mm-hmm. yeah, right. to we be determined on that one. Has an ice cream to it. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and I it like takes that. very uh, vanilla like almost. Mm-hmm. Right. Smooth. Mm-hmm. And when you crush it, it's got more of the cookies. More, yeah, more of the cookies. Cookies and cream. Great, great, great strain. Yeah, these were all cutting edge nutrients. Grower soil. Grower soil. Hey, do do we have any of our uh the previous light tap crop, Jessica, the outdoor crop over there? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either. It does oh. not appear to be. We we do at the dispensary. Okay, but too bad. Well, because of, you know, one of the things we noticed, John, is we kind of got a large, fairly large operation, thirty thousand square feet. You know, auto flower, sixty thousand square feet of outdoor. Then you know, another eight thousand square feet of this greenhouse, and eight thousand square feet of that greenhouse, and man. Is a little overwhelming. A lot of work. It's a lot of work. You know, we don't have that many people to work out on the farm. And it's also just, you know, we were talking about scale on one of the last episodes. 
it was hard to set the pH, right? And we worked on pH within the soil and we tried to just balance it that way. And I think we did a pretty good job because our source water coming out of the well is 7.8 and that's just straight well water here. And we've got a really kind of high parts per million, but uh, we were just adjusting the soil with enough acidity where the pH would be balanced. And I feel like we did a pretty good job that way. And we did it in both like the ground and in pots. But these crops right here, containers, and we control the pH perfectly. The mold, the color, like all of it improved. You know, it was, it was dramatic. And, you know, I've always seen what pH can do, but I'd like to talk to you about like the importance of pH and, and, and why we should think about it in our gardens and how we should, we should deal with it. So you took the pH of the water, but did you do a soil test to take the pH of the soil? Sure. What was that? Sure. We did it right. We sent it off to a lab, the water and the soil. And then the lab gave us a, uh, a formula to adjust it down, right? The original pH of the soil was like 7.2 or something like that. So you adjusted it down? Down, yeah. 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 With sulfur? You know, we used... Jessica, do you remember what we used? You guys are being all serious over here. I'm like (laughs) coughing as I smoke this. I think we used two things. Sulfur and uh, acidic fertilizer, chicken shit, bat guano. And fish emulsion. Did you use plant amp? Um, well, I mean, you're talking a few acres of stuff here. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and that's why it was so hard, like mm-hmm. I'm saying, and that's why we could only control specifically the pH on this one 8,000 square foot greenhouse. We could control it every every single watering and how much better it did. Right. And that wasn't in soil. That was in your soil. Correct. Right. The oh, and, and, and I tell you, it was even... I mean, the, the, the pH issues were, were in the potted plants that we were feeding unpHed water. It was significant. The stuff in the ground, you hardly saw the problem, right? I mean, it came out in the mold and the health of the plant, I think, in the long run, right? Because we had like next to no mold, no bug problems in our perfectly pHed gardens. And you really saw a difference between that and the soil that wasn't uh, pHed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, big time. The stuff in the containers not pH'd, kind of just crap. Honestly, like we ended up extracting it. I mean, you know, I got a bad opinion. If it's not great, 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 great weed, I don't even want it. It's awful. Ah, throw it away. You know. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But you know, it's a it's a controversy to check your pH or not. Oh, you don't have to check your pH. I never do anything for it. But you got to do something, right? Well, you know, it depends whether you're feeding the plant or whether you're just, you're adding amendments in the soil and growing in the soil, in the ground, or whether you're growing and say in your soil mix and you're adding amendments to that and you're just watering. Because if you're using liquid fertilizers, it's naturally going to go be pulled down temporarily. The, the plant itself is just pH. You know, pH means potential hydrogen. So... Plants will pull up water. They're pretty amazing. They make their own sugar, you know, and and are able to have enough energy to split water. So they split water off from hydrogen and oxygen. With that situation, you get extra oxygen, and that's why plants emit oxygen. We can breathe. But the hydrogen and some of the oxygen, oxygen are used with carbon in order to make the plant's body. 
but there's additional hydrogen that are hydrogen ions that are emitted out the roots of the plant. And the plant does that to break down minerals in order to suck the nutrients or minerals back up. So when you're measuring pH, pH means potential hydrogen ions. So there's already hydrogen ions in the soil. And that reading that you get where seven is absolutely neutral means that that's the difference between hydroxyl ions, which would be a buffer and give you high pH, and hydrogen ions, which would give you low pH. So really, what you're looking at when you, when you look at pH, you're looking at what the plant can feed itself right away. And if it's too high, you know, it's not going to get certain minerals. And if it's too low, then, only, then it's not going to get other minerals. When it's lower, it's going to get calcium, iron, and manganese, which is key for cannabis. So pH is important, but really being able to feed, like when you're adjusting the water, the pH of the water, and you're adjusting it down, you're giving the plant a chance to pull up some nutrition really quick. Mm -hmm. So it's good to adjust the pH of the water. Adjusting the pH of the soil, that's a long-term process. That's why, why I always used your soil. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and, and we do that too. Yeah, I mean, I make potting soil. So right. I'm, of course I love the potting <laughs> soil, but like we use all the technologies. I love to grow in the ground. It, it It's a little difficult to, you know, make containers for the thousands of plants we're growing. We got a small operation. I like growing in the ground. I like growing in the ground too. <laughs> So, so what does this mean? You look like you're, you, you, you came in here, Jessica, you fired up a joint. Now you're leaving. Um, I basically have an appointment I have to go to, you know, I basically just came in here to make an appearance, to smoke you guys out, <laughs> to, to make both of you look good today. Sorry about that. I want, I want to, uh, okay, well maybe but, next time you'll come out and we'll have a more, per, more of a in-depth conversation. More on profound pH. conversation. And she takes excellent photos. Look at that. I've, I've been, I've been training. <laughs> Some people we've been training. Take... We've been training. I've been training. Chip's been training me on photographs since the nineties back before digital oh, photography. She's an excellent photographer now. And, um, you know, I'm, I can, I'm okay. Sometimes I'm okay. <laughs> Wyatt, oh, that one is great. Know. I mean, no, it's going great. right on the IG. One. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Straight to IG, yo. I mean, just a little bit of cropping, maybe a little color adjustment. You'll be fine. Totally. <laughs> um, well, it's good seeing everybody. I'm good on that joint. Okay. I'll leave that with you. Okay. Hey, Jessica, and if anybody's interested in getting in contact to find out more about your live resins, batters, butters, sauces, diamonds, and pearls, how do, how do they get in touch with you? Um, no pearls, but they can get in touch with me at Jessica at bakersbrands.com. Or if you are interested in clones, clones at bakersbrands.com. You're on Instagram, Facebook. Instagram, uh, cannabis. No, hold on. Instagram is Bakers Cannabis Oklahoma. Facebook, I believe, is just at Bakers Cannabis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm an acupuncturist and an herbalist. So if you care about other plants, at Baker underscore Botanica on Instagram. All right. Excellent. I'm glad we had uh, that excellent <laughs> visit with uh, Jessica. <laughs> She's always right. so busy. I'm always so busy. I, I've got important things to do. Okay. Bye. 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 Oh, wow. She's great. She always comes in in a tornado. She like throws weed everywhere. She smokes the place out and then she leaves. It's like the Lone Ranger or something. <laughs> the Stoned Ranger. <laughs>
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, who was that masked woman? <laughs> and for you out there in audience land, she was wearing a mask. She was wearing a mask for that shirt. <laughs> this crop here, you know, I, I really wanted to make it great. And so, you know, we, we, we spared no expense. We used, you know, your full directions of cutting edge fertilizer, uh, your supplements, even your, some of your organic stuff. We pH'd every single, you know, gallon of plant of water that went into the plants. And I mean, it is incredible at how vigorous, like when you, when the whole combination comes together. Right. It is just incredible how vigorous the plants grow, how much better they are. Man, you have to sacrifice like either the nutrition or the pH or or the potting soil because of the volume or the scale of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, pHing water is pretty important. A lot of people get this side benefit. So, you know, in the, in the Western United States, you have a lot of calcium bicarbonate that comes up in the water and by using phosphoric acid, it binds with the calcium, causes it to fall out, and then the bicarbonate gases off as CO2. You can do that. It's good to also aerate, even if you have a 5,000-gallon water tank, if you get a massive five-horsepower air pump or something and blow air into there, just big old bubbles, it's going to cause the, if you pH down to six, it's going to cause all the calcium bicarbonate to fall out. And you have to have a Y at the bottom of your tank with two valves. One goes to your field. The other, you know, runs off to somewhere where you're going to create a lot of clay slop because <laughs> it's going to take out the the iron. It's going to take out the calcium. And those two things in the forms they're in will tie up the fertilizers. So so wait a second. You're, you're suggesting that because I think I can use this on our farm. Yeah. Is because we have 5,000 gallon tanks. And that's probably why you said that to me. (laughs) (laughs) You're so subliminal there. A lot of people have copied you and they have 5,000 gallon tanks too. So I should drop my pH to six and then, and then bubble the water vigorously. And then, and then do you. In 24 hours. 24 hours. Then you turn the bubbler off, let it sit and then drain out the sediment. It's already had a chemical reaction. So it's already settled. Right. So by turning it off, it'll just in in an hour, the rest of it that's maybe coming up from the bottom will all settle out. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised, you know, when your water water is seven, two, when your water is seven, six, there's so much more of that calcium. You turn on that waste valve. It's unusable to the plant. Right. Right. It's unusable to plant. It just, it, it helps buffer the soil. It's one of the reasons why you have higher pH soil. I mean, you see that in a lot of red clays. Mm-hmm. And you buffer it more. It's not necessarily good for the plant, for the type of plants we're growing. And when you turn on that turn on that waistline that comes from the tank, maybe nothing will come out. You'll mm-hmm. have to kick that line. And then slowly you'll see like this extruded clay coming out. That's all hmm. junk that's tying up your nutrients. Yeah. Totally. And you can add more nutrients and overcome this. But I'm not it's trying to get rich money. on this radio right, show. Right, I'm right, trying to right, tell right, you right, how to right, save yeah. money. No, you know, and that's where we've always really aligned, John, is like, you know, we just want to help people grow. And, you know, people will come in and I'll give them the easiest way to solve their problems. But they, you know, want to spend some money 
and so they like you know buy a problem solver, right? Right. But uh, I'm I'm I always offer the mechanical solution to people first if there's one something they can easily do by hand or. This is, this is great because we've kind of talked about this before. I've had bad water in the past for sure. Um, and, and not that our water is just awful, but it does come out, out of the well at 400, you know, parts per million. Yeah. Right? But you're right there with calcium mm-hmm. bicarbonate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's calcium bicarbonate for sure. For sure. So, all right, well, I'm going to try this, man. And now the, will this, will this change the P, the, will this change the EC or the PPM of the water? Yeah, it'll it'll definitely change the PPM of the water mm-hmm. coming out, and you'll see that you're going to use less fertilizer to be able to get oh, yeah. to the same point. Absolutely. And then, and then if you use compost tea, you're going to use less fertilizer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have customers that I've told this to, when they follow that through, they came back and they're, I said, you know, I, I pretty much can guarantee you're going to be able to cut your fertilizer bill by 30%, but they used hum tea enough and they cut it by 50%. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's great. And they looked at me like I was crazy, but you know, it's, it's not about. No, yeah, yeah, no. I, actually, I want people to be more effective with the fertilizers and the products we sell and they'll be better business people. They'll make more money. They'll be better growers. And you know, they'll remember that they'll come back and do more business with us. Right. And what, you know, one of the groups of people that we're always focusing on is pheno, phenotype hunters. You know, mm-hmm. you really need to have your program dialed in to see what the genetic potential is of what you're working with. And there's quite a few people out here in Oklahoma doing that now. It's pretty exciting. Oh, oh Oklahoma is the the pheno hunting capital of the world right now, I think. With what's happened with the cannabis seed industry, right, you know, at the same time and the like regulations in Oklahoma allowing for you know, no square footage issues, no plant issues. Like you can plant as many seeds as you want, right? We uh, we we just got off of forty five hundred. It seems like we plant about forty five hundred seeds for ten thousand square feet. That's how it's been working for us. And we just have been doing it over and over again. Auto flowers, uh, uh, traditional, you know, male female plants, uh, 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 feminized, you know, photosensitive plants. We we've, we've it's been great, man. It's just really, really been incredible to see all the different, all the different genetics, all the different phenotypes, to see the the, the breeders that are for real, right? Yes, right, and the ones that aren't because they're out there, man. They're out there. But hey, man, I'll tell you the CSI and Archive. I know you guys have heard me talk about. I know you guys know these guys are my friends, but man, they got the best shit. Like we planted twenty thousand seeds out probably this year and theirs were the best absolutely the strongest the most vigorous the most what they said they were gonna be just the quality of the flower like was just incredible so csi humboldt archive seeds yeah and finest is right there too oh oh man we've planted a bunch of fine i mean there's a lot of great great breeders out there don't get me wrong um but, uh, I mean, we planted out Brothers Grimm seeds this year. We planted out exotic seeds. Uh, we planted out all the best. But of everybody's, dude, CSI and archives. Yeah. And they, there's, they were the best. And there's breeders that came from California here, like Brandon Rust, who won third place in the Cowboy Cup with Death Breath. Yeah. It's an amazing flower. Mm. I'm sure now it's probably unobtainium because it's, 
it really is that good. <laughs> Unobtainium. I'm going to write that one down. Unobtainium. You cannot find it probably. Unobtainium. <laughs> yeah, scale is one of is going to be one of Oklahoma's biggest problems, right? Uh, and this water quality, this pH issue, is absolutely you know been one of my biggest problems. Uh, but there's you know there's this bro science with the you know with limited success comes this like you know enforcement on something that's actually didn't was a negative but since you know it worked out for you <laughs> you thought it was a positive mm-hmm. right and I, I literally just this past week got into two different like conversations with people on on phing their containers right they they're growing inside they're small growers they're not even at scale and you know they they their argument is i've never ph my plants and my plants are fine <laughs> And they've just never had a pH problem. And it's easy not to have a pH problem when it's small like that. But when it scales, that's really, really when you really when you see it. I know you've seen some some big farms here and in, in California. Like, you know, what are some of the ways that people like deal with fertilizer injection and pH control? Well, there's a whole range of ways to deal with pH and and injectors and it seems like Let's keep it with container grown. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Since I make potting soil and all. Dosatrons. Yeah. Dosatrons, Dosatrons are really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're powered by water. You put a clipboard up and just clean it no matter what every mm-hmm. month. And they're easy to take apart, easy to clean. Mm-hmm. No reason not to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all our fertilizers go through those. You know, I see dosatrons being used two different ways. We'll get to the nutrient first, and then we'll go to the pH, because this is the pH show. I see way number one is where you have five different components, and so you have five different dosatrons. The best way to do this is to dilute all of your nutrients, you know, with distilled water at least by half, and then you can use a large volume to come through the dosatron. Right. And in my opinion, the most success I see people doing really well this well. And and, you know, it's a siphoning unit. So it just works better if more volume goes through the unit. And when you're talking about a mill of a nutrient, like it's it really is better to have two mills go through the dosatron than than one or even five, honestly. And then the the same thing with, the you know, any of the MPK. But the other way people take one large stock tank they mix like 55 gallons right and they put fill it halfway full of water and then they put all of the stock nutrients in the tank all their five or ten different components and then they have one dosatron is there is there any preferred method or any reason to use one over the other well the cost you know dosatrons aren't really that expensive but some people want to use one doser you know i had a customer in an heirloom tomato greenhouse in the central coast in California, and they wanted to be able to use one doser. That was it. And so you can mix our fertilizer line times 13 in that heavy concentration, and it will all go through, and you could set one D40 dosatron to that. Mm-hmm. They make a D3000 now, and that can take one mil per gallon. Mm-hmm. So you you can dial that in, say, for 10 mils per gallon really accurately. Mm-hmm. So you get one of those and you get a 
maybe a D15 or a D40, and then you can put the other stock nutrient in through that. Because you don't want to mix calcium with everything else. Otherwise, you get lockout. Right. So Even if you dilute it halfway with water? Yeah, it, you can't take a chance because then somebody does that inside and then they do it in their greenhouse and they want to do it in the field and they get evaporation in the field and then you get that problem again. Okay. And they, right. you know, by the time they're out in the field, they're hiring so many people and they have other operations going, they're not watching things closely. So, I mean, what you're saying is you really suggest at least two dosage yes. rounds. Two. Right, two dosage rounds. One for for the calcium, your, your major calcium component. Right. And then the rest could go all mixed together. Now, if, if I'm using your three-part, how would I, how would I the, put the micro under one dose and then mix the grow and the bloom in a stock solution with, with 50% water? Yeah, you don't even need 50% water. Oh, you could just mix it straight. Mix it straight. Okay. Yeah, I, I made it that way for that reason because okay. I was using dosers. No, I, I, didn't realize, I didn't realize I could mix it straight. Oh, I actually I've did. I've been diluting a, it for years. Oh, really? I just did all this for myself. Yeah. Totally. That's why I developed. That's why I developed all this stuff. Too. For you, that's why you developed your soil, right? Oh yeah, hey, man. These you know, there's new the plant-in bags I have, the five-gallon plant-in bags. Right. I mean, they they made it to where I've just got three people that work with us, and and we just ran eight thousand, ten thousand square feet greenhouses, like over and over and over and over again all summer long. I did it with three people. Right. Uh, three different sets of 8,000 square foot greenhouses pulled, you know, multiple times over the course of the summer. The only way we could do it is with those plant in bags. The absolute only way to be the, to like finish the crop, take the bag, old potting soil, old bag out and replace it immediately with a fresh bag, plant in bag. Like the, the labor savings was incredible, incredible. Uh, and yeah. I knew that. Right. And so that's why I developed it for myself. <laughs> well, you know, we make our own mistakes on our own, on our own money, right? Yeah, right. And then Absolutely. we finally come up with a solution mm-hmm. and then it becomes the product <laughs> for your friends. Yeah. And then it goes now, probably people listening are, are friends of our friends of our friends of our friends. It's really gone out there now, but oh, yeah. there's a lot of people doing oh, it. Oh, man. I'm, everybody that comes in my shop is so friendly. Rarely do I have someone who's uncool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they go somewhere else for a reason. So how do we deal with the, the pH with the dosers? How do you see people dealing with the pH? So, you know, you have to worry about the pH using our fertilizers, but there are other fertilizers that you want to adjust the pH, the actual organic. Because when you use your, just your three part, it adjusts appropriately. Yes. You don't have to adjust. Mm-hmm. It's available from a pH of 3.5 to 9. So so it's not that it adjusts the pH in the water, even though it will change the pH, it's just available at, it, at the large ranges. Right, right, right. 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 There are food-grade components that are meant to use, you know, mountain spring water or Fresno ditch water mm-hmm. or, you know, water sources from anywhere in Oklahoma. Sure. No, I, I set mine, just to let you know, I set mine religiously at 5.8 if I can right. with your nutrient. <laughs> right, right. And I suggest everyone do that too. You know, I hear I hear people do all kinds of ways. 
Yeah, well, some people don't. You have to plan for people who don't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, so, and that's how you did it, right? right. right. And then right. so you, and hey, that's how all of our other crops. Like I was saying earlier in the conversation, is you know we weren't able to pH it. We just put the nutrient in the tank, put it in the dosatron, and didn't pH the water at all. You know, and it went out there, and we grew, we grew a lot of great, great, great weed. You know, I should say good weed that way, but like. Wow, man, it just got great as soon as I controlled all the nutrition, all the pH. Right. Well, in that case, you're cutting out the calcium bicarbonate, right? So you're, you are going to get mm-hmm. a benefit. All those fertilizers are, mm-hmm. are available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a side benefit of adjusting the pH and then aerating it even further does that. And that's why people used to aerate the reservoirs. Yeah. Sure. All the, all the mess on that. Yeah, well, you know, we did use some... Uh, I have seen some really bad water here and the interaction with cheap fertilizer, right? I have seen it fall out. I've seen it clog. Like we've had so many calls from customers. It was like, oh my, that drip irrigation, the filter's not working. (laughs) Or it's 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 working working. too well. And that's (laughs) what it is. It's actually like it's clogging all the time. And you talk to people and it's like, oh man, they've got really bad water. And they're putting all this, you know, cheaper, you know, you said it earlier, salt fertilizer in it. And I just, you know, creating this sludge at the bottom of the tank, sludge like in their lines, you know, a a paste or, you know, uh, a clay. You said it, you know, yeah, on the inside of the the filters. And and we, of course, suggest everybody use the oversized Netafim filters and, you know, promote the bigger ones. Right. But uh, yeah, here it's here. It's a problem. We've seen it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people out here are pumping out of ponds and they really need to use a sand filter. And, but you, you asked me about adjusting the pH on these other doser yeah, systems, sure. like, like a doser system like Agritech from, uh, that Mike has over in, uh, Colorado. Great doser system. It uses peristaltic pumps. Um, so it turns in, it turns out exact amounts. Mm-hmm. So you could do it when you're, when you're, Instead of a siphoning unit, it has the paralytic pumps that that s- proportionally pull it out, right? And then add it, it and then right. add it, and you can add as many of those pumps as you want. So you could have twelve different inputs if you would like, and that's the best way to deal with the pH is with the the paralytic pump, right? Instead of a well, they still have pH dosers. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, pretty much even. Dosatron has uh, pH, pH doser. dosers. Mm-hmm. I go to a lot of places and I see super high tech doser systems that in either inject with air, actually use 100 psi air to inject the uh, fertilizer into the line as as it mm-hmm. passes by, and, and they feel like that mixes best. Here in Oklahoma, there's Anderson. Injector systems. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're a dealer for Anderson. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Totally. Do you have one in, in your store right now? No, we don't. But I'll, I'm going to put one in my greenhouse this next year. Yeah, those are. I think Chris has got one in his greenhouse. Oh really? Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he brought them there. in. They met together somehow. But uh, yeah, really great systems. Nice people. Good good customer service. Oh yeah, great customer service. They're right here in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and they uh, it's all metal. Right. So it's really, it's stainless. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least the ones I've seen at trade shows. Um, 
actually haven't been to a facility that uses that. Other people have gotten so far in a different direction where their doser systems are $120,000. And they've yeah. got, they've got a, a touchscreen interface and a number of different things. And it seems like people touch them wrong. And they don't, and they're so sensitive. They don't like to be touched. Yeah, right. Because yeah. they, they in in an A and B tank situation that are both supposed to go at the same time, it might forget. It might now have been taken offline for the B tank, and now your whole fertilizer program's out of whack. So, I mean, there's surely there's safeguards for all these things, but sometimes in doser systems, I like to see people just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And I think Anderson. Although it looks sophisticated, you know, looks complex, I think it's simple. And Agritech is still simple, and Dosatron is still simple. Other injector systems, you know, run off the entire the uh, environmental controller, and that's interesting. But that's that's more complex, and that would take another complete show sure. to describe. But just sticking to the, the simple the simple stuff of should you be using pH up and down. I never recommend, okay, using pH down as instead of using pH up. Always just use, bring the pH down. Never try to bring the pH up. That just leave it where it is. Leave it where it is because that locks things out. Even if it's like really low or, you know. I mean, what's really low? Some people run our run our mm. plant amp really low and, and then our pH will be going into the plant will be four. And they'll panic. We get to these calls all the time, and we go, sure. look, it says do not adjust the pH mm-hmm. right on our, our... No, we've had the calls at the shop, too. Yeah, right. Sure. And I just say, well, look, why don't you measure the pH of the water coming out the bottom or the mm-hmm. fertilizer? And they're like, well, it's 6.2 mm-hmm. or 6.4. I'm like, isn't Plain that perfect coming yeah, out of the it. bottom? It. It's like the plant is pulling out organic acids and converting and taking up the right. calcium. So, so don't enjoy it just up, just adjust down. down. I mean, I, I, I've preferred this for years anyway. I mean, there's more than one type of pH down too, right? We've sure. got, you know, nitric acid, phosphoric acid, sulfuric acid, citric acid. Is there a preferred, preferred product? Well, in Plant App, we have some other complex acids from the uh, biochelation process, but you know, just sticking to the ones you mentioned, you know, nitric acid, well, you've got nitrogen, sulfuric acid, you know, sulfur locks up with calcium and you get calcium sulfate, which is gypsum, wallboard, right? Mm-hmm. And you really don't want that. And uh, citric acid, you know, you, it's a partial chelator, but you can only use so much of that. Phosphoric acid, kind of, it's kind of the choice of the industry. Sure. I'll have to say I use nitric because it's uh, so much more effective. It is. Well, I use it when I can get it. Actually, this year we just had to use the, uh, for half the year, we used phosphoric acid, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we couldn't really get the nitric. Really? Right? I wonder why. I mean, it's a rough year in supply this year. Oh, yeah, that too. Right. I mean, you you know it. I mean, we had so many, you know, issues just shipping stuff around or like, you know, warehousing issues or people manufacturing issues or then demand issues. So everybody wants the product. <laughs> well, they want it more. And your customers that buy a normal clip, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they doubled that because mm-hmm. they're like, what if we can't get it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I got another warehouse and filled it full of product and got another warehouse and filled it full of inputs. Because in the beginning, 
I just I saw it coming down. You're kind of in Oklahoma a lot these days. I mean, I've I've seen you a bunch lately. What's going on with you here? I'm just following the herd, like the bison. Style in the wind, man. <laughs> you know, you've got a lot of a lot of my customers from Michigan, Washington, Oregon, California, other states, but those four primarily, who are uh, legal operators, have moved to to Oklahoma to open up. And you know, there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, look at the transportation. I'm in Tulsa right now. Or actually, I'm here in OKC talking to you. But, you know, even here, you just look at the map and you're like, well, you know, I'm two hours from 40. And that's where all the rail lines run. You know, you're really close to Norman, where it's like the highest rail traffic in the country. You know, you go two hours from here and you're at 70. Two hours further, you're at 80. You know, going back down south again, you know, there's the railhead in Norman you could send things down to the Gulf. Now you're shipping them all over the world. So, you know, what is someone going to do? Well, it would be a good idea to have a growing facility here in Oklahoma. R and D, right? You can do a big pheno hunt for one. Mm-hmm. It seems like the state is just encouraging that. Oh yeah, it's great, man. Like o- Oklahoma is the cent- is is right off the center of the country. We really are here. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to measure what the rest of the country is. I know there's lots of stereotypes about it here, but, you know, this is like average America, really. Right. Uh, this is it, average, it's new to the cannabis industry and they're really embracing it great. It's incredible, right? As opposed to like the other markets we've been involved in, you know, it's this whole exclusive market scenario. And, and man, I just, I just like that weeds for all. And it should not be exclusive. Anybody should be able to get involved with it, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd like to say people are friendly and accepting, but I think we're going too (laughs) far in boosting Oklahoma. Being a Californian, (laughs) people would say, Northern California, I don't want to go there. There's gardens everywhere. There's farms. There's violent people. And then when they would get there, they find people friendly and accepting and open and a big community. It can be. And then people started moving to California. So now... It went from when I first got my driver's license and it was about 11 million to now there's 40 million people. So I was in Columbia earlier this year and, you know, I was warned about going to certain places and trying to look for seed or doing anything that would stir up locals because they're hostile. So I went down there and it reminded me. So you went down there and you were like, hey, man, you guys got any weed and seeds? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. So, well, I was invited down there. I was invited down there by by some hemp farms, and I got down there, and then I realized, it, you know, it was like being in California thirty years ago, and uh, you know they're very friendly and open. They've got great food. They good attitude, but in the end, I had to tell them. I said, "Look, when I go back to California or the United States, I'm going to tell people that you're violent, crazy people because." If they do to, to Cal- <laughs> Columbia what they did to California, so you know here's. I mean, what- it's going to change here too. This is this has the the this is <clears throat> this is similar to Oregon. Similar things are going to happen here that happened in Oregon. I think it's uh, Oregon was a good dry run for that. And I think we need to be prepared for all of those things here. Right. Well, you know, and how do you prepare people? Right. So. In Colombia, how you know? How do you prepare people there? California, well, they're already there. You know, I, I live in Sonoma County, so mm-hmm. 
I haven't looked personally at the number of lawyers in Sonoma County. I actually know the number. But I think it's the same number as the entire state of California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, in, in an earlier in an earlier Real Dirt program, we were talking, you know, I was introducing myself and a little bit about my past. So in uh, 78, you know, part of the reason I ran away from home in Berkeley was because in the Bay Area, one out of 82 people were lawyers. And if you study history, Rome... A thousand year empire fell when one out of four people were lawyers. So I thought, you know, I was only 14. What did I know? All right, all right, all right. All right. right now, <laughs> I've got like 10 fucking attorneys in my life and I love you all. I love you. I love you all. Don't listen to what John's saying. Okay. I have to say, I love you all. I've got a great tax attorney, I've got a great business attorney, and and I'm good, to, I'm good, good with just that. But to negotiate, because I'm sure Chip's talking about California and not Oklahoma that he has these lawyers. No, I've got a, I've got attorneys here too, man. Oh, really? Come on, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm always seeking extra knowledge and attorneys, especially cannabis-based attorneys, are a great place to get it. Right. Right. I'm always doing business, different states, different people, and you kind of end up with like different attorneys for different things. You know, so I've got like, you know, a great set of attorneys for any major issue or problem. Um, they're, they're my, my cultivate Colorado attorneys. I've got a West coast attorney, right? Cause you got to have one that's on right. the ground over there. Oh, sure. Right. In each state, they're all, all right. practicing. One state. And man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently in some litigation, you know, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight here. And so I've got some uh, aggressive attorneys, right? And uh, they're fighting, helping me fight for my rights and our rights as cannabis farmers, you know, in California. And then I got uh, some attorneys that just tell me what all the rest of the attorneys are doing. <laughs> this is no shit. This is a great thing to do, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you see, you've gone through. You've gone through a lifelong selection process uh-huh. of All attorneys. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I, I, Vicente Cedarberg, Brian, Josh, uh, Christian, those guys, I've been with them 10 years. You know, my guys over at Fair, Fair, Fairchild and Rothfield or, or something like that. <laughs> big firm. A big firm. Yeah. I've been with those guys for 15 years. You know, I mean, uh, you know, my, my people in California, I've been with them for 10 years. I mean, business, you need an attorney. It doesn't yeah. matter where you are. You're going to need one. You need somebody to write contracts for you. You need somebody to be able to ask questions to like, hey, is this, you know, can right. I, what do you think about, I mean, because you've had your fair share of legal issues. Oh, sure. Um, of course. You know, and being just business. business, just business, right. legal issues, man. Oh, right. I don't like the way you did this, John. I'm suing you for it. You know? <laughs> right. Right. And you've got to have a attorney with decades of experience mm-hmm. to get it, to, to turn it back from that to let's negotiate this. Let's arbitrate this. Yeah. This is going to go to court. And yeah, Ray Erlach is, is my, is my business attorney in, in uh, California and Jeffrey Titus is my tax attorney. And, you know, these are, these are really good attorneys that have been practicing for 45 plus years. And I don't know whether they selected me or I selected them, but there's been a lot of other attorneys in between that didn't do what they were saying that they were going to do. So I was talking about when I said some bad ones too, man. Oh, 100%. I've had bad advice by attorneys. And actually that's why I have 
a group of attorneys that just tell me what the other people are trying to say. And they know their position too. I'm like, Hey, I need you to give me a clear view of this guy and what he's saying and doing for me. Right. Right. Cause man, I've, I've picked bad attorneys in the past that chose bad, that chose badly. And I didn't have any review over dealing with it. Right. And they don't review. They, they're not going to review themselves. No, you don't, you don't, you don't pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Go online and go to the blog that that reviews attorneys. Oh wait, there isn't one. Wonder why? You know. Well, I mean, just on an individual opinion, man. You know, like attorneys, they'll have this idea of how to approach a problem or a subject or a negotiation, right? If you're purchasing a business or selling a business, I mean, right. all of these has different ideas, and it's just like in a doctor, they say get a second opinion. Right. Same thing with the legal opinion. Get a second opinion. Right. It's a, they're practicing. Mm-hmm. A doctor is a, a, a practice, <laughs> which is a little frightening. And, I never, and I never really put that together. Oh you, yeah. Right? They're, uh, it's, practice. they're practicing theory. Okay. Your law practice. You keep, when are you going to stop practicing? Do this shit for real. <laughs> well, it's all based on theory, right? That's too funny. But yeah. Um, you know, my, my point before was, you know, the number of lawyers, well, these are the number of of people that might be unnecessary and unnecessarily creating more legal issues because mm-hmm. that later they become legislators. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just the, the number of bad people, I guess, scum rises, you know, and it's yeah. not necessarily lawyers, but just people in general and the people that latch on to something. Hey, man, say, I'm going to say again, I love my attorneys the way he says <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> no, and I love my attorneys I too. Just, I'm just I, making I, my liability <laughs> liable statements here. I know you're going to cut all this part out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I try, funny. no, I try to like let it roll, man. I try to let it roll. Cause as we were talking about pH and I mean, right. You know, attorneys are kind of like pH adjustment for life, life problems. <laughs> right. Or, or you're already in, you know, acidic water and you don't really know it. Mm-hmm. And they are the litmus test, mm-hmm. you know, right. they are the piece of paper that they dip into the liquid. You think you're, you can swim around in and they go, Hey, guess what? It's not acidic. It's basic. You know, that pool you see in the desert with the cattle skull, that's a pH 10. You're at nine. <laughs> you need some help. You need a handout. <laughs> you need some advice. All right, so 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 back back to pH. I got one more pH question for you, John. Uh, Google of all things cannabis nutrition. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, man, I tell people this all the time. The man, it, there's a huge range that cannabis can grow with pH, right? What do you think the limits are? At what point is there really start to be problems? You're gonna have to talk to my attorney. <laughs> no, um, you know, that's, that's a funny thing. You know, if you have a pH tester and a meter one mm-hmm. that can test a, a pool of liquid, mm-hmm. you can take a bunch of leaves and squeeze the juice out of them and measure that. And you'll be surprised at what the pH is. The EC will, could be 10,000 because mm-hmm. there's a lot of activity in the plant. But the pH generally will be six point five, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah, right. So the the plant does the plant is it's stuck in one place for life. The plant is, but like it's the availability of of nutrients that's coming in at the root zone that's the issue, though. Right? Well, you know, that's it's it's a fluctuating it's a fluctuating pH. 
So, so you can't ever just ask John a yes or no answer. <laughs> See, I wanted to like hmm, four point two and nine zero, oh, right? <laughs> talk to my attorney. Yeah, talk to my attorney. <laughs> yeah, well, if you if you look at the uh, pH availability of all the nutrients that plants need, you see that they don't line up anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of line up between five point five and say. 6.5. Sure. But once some have to be really low, like, you know, one of the most important ones, manganese. Manganese, the pH has to be four in order for the plant to pick it up. Well, how is it going to do that? Well, the plant adjusts its own pH. So, you know, when people want to be this pH perfect, they're trying to be at six to seven so that the plant has an easier time going up to seven to get right. certain elements or down to four to get certain elements. Right. So you're just in the middle. So it's easier for the plant to go either way. Right. Okay. Right. And be able to pick things up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, and that's in the soil. So, so so the further ranges from nutrient from neutral make it more difficult. Yes. Right. Well, the plant, cause, cause I've personally seen 8.5, you know, I've seen 4.5, you know, plants and they might not be the healthiest, but they grow. They, the buds don't get so dense, you know, they might not be the heaviest, right? But they grow. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to keep it at 4.5 or you don't want to keep it at 8.5. And if a plant is vigorously growing, it, it can, if you can measure right at the root zone, if you can take a sample where you're, You've got a pipe and you can plug where, right where the root is so you can pull it up intact. And then you test right where the root is. You'll see that the plant is already adjusting one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I have a $6,000 Metzger pH meter in the lab. You know, this is not something sure. you're going to figure Carry out. Carry around out into the field. <laughs> it's yeah. under glass. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, or not glass, like, but you know. Beep, wanna... beep, beep, bring it over here. Back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. It has its own table, you know. Well, I'm not sure if any of our listeners are, uh, understand pH anymore after our ramblings today, John, but I hope so. Yeah, well, I think we told them that they can pH adjust their water down to six, aerate it, and pull out the potassium. Uh, yeah. Now, there's a great tip. Yeah, the, great the tip. calcium bicarbonate. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to save money on fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the plant will use that water and that fertilizer better. Mm-hmm. And you saw it. You did it yourself. Yeah. And yeah. that was your your field test right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the anecdotal evidence. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a show-me guy. Even yeah, absolutely. Missouri's the show-me state. <coughs> One state over. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, and we also talked about a couple mechanisms to adjust the pH, mm-hmm. right? Um, use uh, nitric acid. And I use nitric acid and there's phosphoric acid. And, uh, all the tomato growers, they're on the sulfuric acid, you know. Right. I think because you only have to put a little bit in or it's so cheap or I'm not really sure. I've never, I've never used it myself. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends. The tomato growers that are using it in greenhouses – and they're still growing in soil. They're doing an off cycle of calcium feeding. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. so right. they have a doser system set up so that they're feeding calcium 
and that that that's not being that water isn't being adjusted. Right. So. Right. And then if they're in soil doing that on a big scale, they've already put a lot of calcium, like you know, some kind of oyster shell or something in the soil. So, last big question: Do I have to pH if I'm all organic? If I'm container growing and all organic, do I have to pH? Yeah, organic is a broad <laughs> range right. of things, yeah. right? Right. You know, if you're using, uh, if I'm water only and all my organic nutrition is in the soil. Okay, that's a good one because you know some people do living soil beds and they want to use all amendments and the, and and keep it steady like that so then you would ph adjust the water if it's too high Mm -hmm. and you're going to benefit from from that because you won't have calcium bicarbonate going into the soil and keeping and stabilizing and keeping the ph too high because remember you're growing cannabis so you you're you want quality flour so you have to be able to pull up manganese iron and calcium even though you're putting in right. calcium bicarbonate, it's not available to the plant. Right. So, so you're saying for the water only growers, we need to right. adjust our pH. Right. Well, that's why I developed over the last couple of years a plant based uh, organic grow and an organic bloom. And oh, accent. You, yeah. and, and you use uh, great, great product. We used a bunch this summer. You can use uh, it's a CCOF certified, and then also the uh, the calcium that you would use would be Plant Amp, and that automatically lowers your pH because of the organic acids. So you put that first in a doser and then the grow or the bloom after that. And you can mix the calcium and the magnesium together temporarily. And that's the magnesium is also biochelated. It doesn't have as much acids in it, so it won't affect. It's easier to, it's easier to chelate the magnesium than it is to chelate the calcium. Calcium is sure. very, very difficult to get into a plant but super essential. Mm-hmm. All the other nutrients go over the back of calcium into the plant. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. you know, we did it so that that living bed people can use very little of it mm-hmm. and people that are growing in cocoa would use a lot more of it. Right, right. So once again, you are you are pH adjusting, but using plant have to do that. Awesome, man. Well, well, thanks once again for an incredible episode of The Real Dirt. I'm stoked to see you in town so much. Now you're going to come back here in a few weeks. Uh, we should do this again. We should. It's like you're like your regular your, <laughs> your regular stop. What John? What John sees in Oklahoma? Good things. <laughs> Good things. Good things. Oh, hey, listeners! Thanks for joining us once again for another episode of the Real Dirt with Chip Baker and John Piccarelli. Uh, hey, if you haven't done it already, please download all of our episodes. Please subscribe on iTunes, on Amazon, on Spotify, on any way you get podcasts. You can can subscribe to the Real Dirt with Chip Baker. You can also check us out at any one of our operations. Uh, growerscoco.com, cultivatecolorado.com, cultivateokc.com, cultivategardensupply.com, com. We can, we do it all, right? And uh, check John out at cuttingedgesolutions.com. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, 
yeah, it's been a been a great episode. And I didn't say it when he started this episode, so I'll say it now. Why don't you guys sit back and roll the largest joint you can up and think about this episode of The Real Dirt. <laughs> 